Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the day before Thanksgiving today. I'm trying to make these episodes as live as possible. I'm going to record it, then post it. Um, and try to do... Try to do less notes. Anyway... How cool is that, huh? Chris Cornell. I think he's the GOAT. The GOAT songwriter, singer-songwriter. I mean, who's cooler than this guy? I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> anyway, a bunch of cool stuff in my mind this week. Um, I want to talk about the LinkedIn algorithm. People talk about the algorithm. They throw around this word algorithm all the time we don't really talk about like what it is what it means or how it applies people just think it, it, it like like LinkedIn there's this wizard behind the curtain that's deciding like whose content is going to show up um, the word algorithm right it's just a repeatable process it's something you can uh, code a computer to do it's like a specific set of instructions is repeatable you can put structure to it so like, um, I don't know, two-digit multiplication, there's an algorithm for that, right? Like you put the two numbers on top of each other, you line up the ones column and the tens column, and then you take the ones column and the bottom number, the ones digit, and you multiply it by the one of the top number, and then if it's, you know, you know blah, 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 you, you do the multiplication problem. There's like a step-by-step -step process that you could, you could like write down in a, that a, a computer could follow. Uh, so LinkedIn has an algorithm to rank the posts that you see when you log in the, according to your network. So like you have a network of people that you're connected to. Before, before I get too far into this, like the, here, like the most important thing is take everything I say and multiply it by zero. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're not familiar with the multiplicate, the zero property of multiplication it's that anything multiplied by zero is zero right um take everything i say and observe it for what it is um deconstruct it figure out why i said it the way that i said it figure out why i think that and then apply it to your own thing so here's the it's i got this from a physics professor it's a really important point the way that you understand things is unique to you the way that you understand the world and then act on it is unique to you um, so you can't take somebody else's and do theirs because it's not going to work that's theirs it, it just seems like it's a simple concept but it's it's actually like kind of difficult to execute it's it's really easy to look at other people's advice and just copy it verbatim like how do i get more meetings you go on linkedin well you do these three things you know you change your subject line to this and this works so then everybody changes their subject line to that, right? Because they're just looking for like a step-by-step -step process. They're looking for an algorithm to get them more meetings because it would so be repeatable. But the thing is that um, everybody has their own process and everybody has their own way of understanding things. So like when I was in the physics class, his point was the way that I do physics, I have a lot of biases, like the professor saying, I have a lot of biases in the way that I've come to understand how to do these problems. Um, and you should evaluate that as part of your takeaway from the lecture. Like, like think about 
who I am and why I'm saying the things that I'm saying that I am. And a lot of it makes me trustworthy. Like I've studied a lot of physics. I have the, the fact that I'm a professor means that I have a graduate degree in physics and I've chosen to dedicate some of my time to explaining it to you. So I probably have good advice, but the way that I go about the problem, I'm probably very biased in that, right? Same thing with when you're trying to get sales advice from LinkedIn. So like the, the model is to take whatever, you know, take everything that, you know, from the learning source that you're trying to listen to and break it down. Why does that person have that angle? Why does that approach work for them? And why are they communicating it to me in the way that they are? So there's a lot of talk about gaming the algorithm and whether that's a good or a bad thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's not, I mean, it's just repeated experimentation. Like you make a post and only two people like it and it gets buried by everything else that's cool in the platform. Like all this other stuff is getting all this other, other engagement and, you know, people with high ranking profiles and high ranking social status are, are commenting and liking on other people's and, and nobody paid attention to yours and how come it didn't work? Well, there's a, there's a way that you can, you can think about this to make it work for you. Like LinkedIn is, yeah, they have an algorithm. Like, um, when I was an undergrad, I read this paper called the $25 billion eigenvector. And it's about the linear algebra behind Google and page rank, um, from the get go. Like the genius part about Google is that they were able to instantly calculate the most important websites on the internet, according to your search terms, uh, it, and like almost instantly, super duper fast. And they were using linear algebra. They were taking the entire internet and um, not to get too deep into math, but they're making an adjacency matrix uh, and using uh, eigenvectors to rank importance. So there's some fancy, fancy pants math behind what they were doing, but basically that's, that's what it is. Um, so... LinkedIn is doing the same thing. Like there's a network, you have a network of the people that you're connected to. So they're creating an adjacency matrix there. There's like a, you know, there's um, a, some type of a link matrix of who's connected to who and, and there's importance, like in, uh, this notion of an important score for your post. There's also an important score for you. Like you have a reputation on the platform, which is where the consistency piece is. So every time an account makes a post, there's two things that factor into it. One, the reputation of the person. So there's like a score that you get there. And two, um, uh, how engaging or how important is this particular post, right? And I'm, I don't know any of these things for a fact. I'm just trying to reverse engineer them based on my experience, based on what I've seen on the platform, based on what I've been able to accomplish. A guy like Colin Cadmus, he's VP of sales for Aircall. He posted an article the other day about how he got 10,000 followers in 10 months. I can't do that. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. I had 250 followers when I started at Zip Whip. Uh, and that was um, over a year ago. And now I have like 1,400, almost 1,500 followers, connections. So and it's, just been, it's been exponential in the past few weeks. I get a couple people every day to add me or whatever. Um, cause I'm, I'm putting stuff and getting it out there. Um, I've increased my reputation score over time, like by posting every day. So that's where this concept of the 30 day challenge comes in, 
right? Like you need to make a post every day. Um, but the problem is, so like some of these these people that have had like meteoric rise, you know, have had like like huge huge gains, like a Beck Holland. Uh, um, I mean, she was already popular, but now is like mega popular. You know, Colin Cadmus, Josh Brown, like these guys, Justin Welch. Why they get so so much engagement? Well, think about who's on LinkedIn. People that are selling stuff, right? Sales Navigator is like one of the main prospecting tools. So people that are selling stuff are on LinkedIn. AEs and SDRs are hanging out there. So if you're talking to those audiences, you're going to get a lot of engagement. Right? It's just, it's baked in. It's built in. So Colin posting his actionable sales advice every day is going to get a lot of traction because there's a lot of people looking for sales advice on LinkedIn. SDRs. How do I do cold calls? How do I run a discovery? Like people are, you know, that's like things that you get nervous about when you're an SDR. So that content is going to take off. And that's, that's perfect. That's a, that's a good thing, right? That's, I mean, that's good for the community. Like spreading the, spreading the information around. But, but then for every sales rep on, in, existence to be posting like you know their version of Gary V's Twitter feed and their version of like what is actionable advice for me like not everybody has a deep pool like that so you're you're gonna see people start getting more creative like LinkedIn is gonna become more of a social platform it's gonna like uh there's there's a this crossover happening where I see some people who have like Instagram and Twitter profiles that are like very well manicured and then they come to LinkedIn to like post a boring business article and it doesn't get any um, engagement. So try to think like a computer. If you're the LinkedIn algorithm, which posts are you gonna think are important? Which accounts are you gonna think are important? And then the combination of those two is going to de determine the vector of that post for the week. So you make a post about something it, uh, just based on your reputation. The algorithm will show it to 10 people, whoever logged into the site at that point, whoever refreshes the feed. Out of those 10 people, say five people like it and three people leave a comment in 10 minutes. The algorithm is going to go, wow, this must be a really important post. And hey, look, it came from an important person, too. Let's spam this. And it's just going to spam it into not only everybody that's connected to you will see that as the first post in their in their feed, but all your second degree and third degree connections are probably going to see that, too. Right. So there's just a rank of that happening with everybody that posts anything at any given moment. And if you think about it like that. Um, that's why you see people trying to get you to leave comments or trying to post things that make people leave comments. And then there's like even more social hierarchy that goes into it, right? So if you can get somebody that has a really high importance score to leave a comment on your post, well, everybody's going to see that person's, everyone's connected to that person going to see that they left a comment on your thing. It's going to make you more important. And then as you get more connections and as you keep doing that, it snowballs. And that's how you build your important score. Um, tagging people, like, I don't know. I'm not going to regurgitate all the advice that's out there. But tagging people, like, I, my preference would be to make the content genuine and unique and just do it consistently and let it kind of, like, um, let the crickets chirp for a little while. Like, let nobody notice. Just post. Well, like, nobody, you know, you don't care how many people like it or see it. 
as often as you can. And it's not just posting, it's leaving comments too. Like some of the, the best stuff is in the comments. I always t try to leave a, a really good comment on, on stuff that I like and on the people's, uh, you know, profiles that I like their content. Like I leave really, you know, thought, well thought comments because then sometimes those comments have turned, just turned into a top post for me. Like I leave a comment, it turns into the top comment and then I just repost about that idea. Like it just gives you information. So as long as you're liking, um, sharing ideas, you know, posting things, uh, staying active on the platform daily, you're going to build a, an important score over time. And then your posts are basically like how many people like and comment on it. Um, that's going to determine how many people see it, and then those things will increase over time. Uh, that's how I feel like you should do LinkedIn. But take everything I say, multiply by zero. That's how I do LinkedIn. I come at it from the angle, you know, I sort of described to you what my angle was, from like a math, computer science background, like trying to deconstruct what are they doing. What, how, do I, how do they decide which posts are going to show up first when I refresh the feed? Um, yeah, I was going to talk about the Warren Buffett quote. That's not really a Warren Buffett quote. There's, there's been a negative troll that's come up some type of, some type of negativity that's, that's come up on all these success, anything that's been successful that I've put out there and the human brain remembers the one negative one and ignores the 25 positive comments you got. So like I, and you have an emotional reaction to that. And I've been trying to cut out this emotional reaction and I remembered this Warren Buffett quote that one of my managers, old managers showed me about not having an emotional reaction to things and true powers and logic and this whole thing. So I looked up the quote. It's not even him. He didn't even say it. I've been trying to live my whole life according to this quote. And he, it's made up somebody, some troll, internet troll with a fake Warren Buffett Twitter account wrote that. <laughs> so that's cool. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, don't drink and drive tonight. When you're going out and getting hammered, Thanksgiving Eve, dude. Everybody meets up with their friends from high school and gets wasted. Um, yeah. A little bit of music history on the way out today. This is Nirvana at the 1992 Reading Festival in London. Headlining. Um, the year before, they were a middle-of-the-pack band on the Bleach record. And exactly one year later, they were the biggest band in the world. And Kurt Cobain overdoses in a hotel in London. Day before the show. Everyone freaked out. Uh, so he had his tour manager or something wheel him out on stage in a hospital gown and like, made a big joke out of it. Um, and then obviously died two years later, you know, battled addiction the whole time. So I guess that's another one. If, if you know somebody that's battling addiction, please uh, reach out to them and don't give up on them. Sorry to be sad about that, but, you know, whatever. Here's Cobain covering 1983, 1982, uh, punk band called Fang. Uh, the record Landshark was on Boner Records. They were label mates with the Melvins, which is probably why Kurt's giving them the nod here. The track is called The Money Will Roll Right In. Alright, that's it. I gotta go, guys. Have a good week. <laughs>